Blog Talk Radio. Creation of Nuit. The unveiling of the company of heaven. Every man and every woman is a star. Every number is infinite. There is no difference. Help me, O warrior lord of Thebes, in my unveiling before the children of heaven. Be thou Hadith, my secret center, my heart and my tongue. Behold, it is revealed by Awas, the minister of Horpocrat. The carbs is in the cool, not the cool in the carbs. Worship then the carbs, and behold my light shed over you. Let my servants be few and secret, they shall rule the many and the known. There are fools that men adore, both their gods and their men are fools. Come forth, O children under the stars, and take your fill of love. I am above you and in you. My ecstasy is in yours. My joy is to see your joy. Above the gemmed azure is the naked splendor of Nuit. She bends in ecstasy to kiss the secret ardors of Hadith. The winged globe, the starry blue, Ah, mine, O Ankafen Consul. Hello, folks, and that was an excerpt from Alistair Crowley's book of the law. So tonight's show is titled "Tea and Crumpets," "Tea and Crumpets" with Mr. Crowley, and you are listening to Stackhouse Radio with your hosts Diana Stack and Quentin Tiffany. Got the name right this Good time. Good evening. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know we've been friends for a decade, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling him Tiffany. But um, you don't don't listen to Tiffany, right? I don't what? You don't listen to Tiffany, do you? Tiffany, who? Oh my God, I am so old. Holy shit! Anyways, um, n- never mind. You Google it later on after the show. Um, anybody okay. who gets it. Or who knows exactly who I'm talking about? Yeah, you're all too. So, but anyways, uh, this is another edition of I uh, can't talk tonight. Stackhouse Radio, and this is continuing our Halloween series or Sewing series for all you wonderful, beautiful pagans out there. Um, tonight we are going to be giving a tribute to Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley, um, <laughs> another age test. Uh, but anyways, just to give you guys a little bit of information first, if you want to check out our station on Facebook, we are at Stack House Radio, three separate words, Stack House Radio on Facebook, and you can get information on the show, including links uh, that we used in the show. So go there, get all kinds of great information. Uh, you can also contact us directly via email. Our email is Radio Stackhouse at gmail.com again that's radiostackhouse at gmail.com so let's get into the good stuff tonight I'm sure that everybody out there has heard of the infamous Alistair Crowley the wickedest man in the world right I don't know if I think he's the wickedest man in the world but well, according I've to legend he is <laughs> so I think he was just Intelligent, and people were afraid of that. 
And he also liked, you know, the darker arts. But not, that's not necessarily bad. Oh, but who doesn't? Let's be honest. Well, I don't know. Scientologists. <laughs> I'm pulling a straw. Well, they're not anyway. exactly our role models, are they? <laughs> no, I haven't pulled any aliens out of my ass lately, so I'm good. Um, but I'll bet you Captain Pepper go into- has. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Where is she lately? I don't know, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> my God, was that her? Did I just hear her? I think you're channeling her. Uh, the veils are the fittest this time of year. So, anyways, Alistair Crowley. We've all heard of him. We all heard the rumors and the horrible stories of the wickedest man in the world. So tonight we're gonna just touch on a few things and pay a little stackhouse tribute to him. So Alistair Crowley, just the boring stuff here, was born Edward Alice, Edward Alexander Crowley in uh, 12 October 1875 in England. And incidentally, he died the same year my mother was born, 1947. And I guess he died of uh, chronic bronchitis or some lung uh, disease that he had. Um, He is a published, renowned poet. Uh, He has painted. He's a world traveler, uh, mountaineer. I'm I'm afraid to crack dirty jokes about Aleister Crawley. Like, usually I can come up with a good double entendre. But it's Alistair Crawley. Like, I'm afraid, like, I'll get struck by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> we'll come back. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, so, uh, and, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but let's just say uh, our Quentin has some inside information or some, you know, deeper information of some of the um, influences on his early life. And what led him to developing or basically, you know, putting his own religion, uh, which is, I'm sorry, my dog is on the couch in front of me farting, like loudly farting. So <laughs> if I start cracking up, that's <laughs> why. Are you telling me I'm supposed to talk about your dog farting on the couch? Because I'm pretty sure you just, you just segued into me and talking about your dog I know. That also I hear, it's like my dog's looking at his butt. Which he does. He'll look at his butt after he farts. I don't know why he does that. Like he's wondering where it's coming from. Uh, now, what's interesting though about Aleister Crowley, as we look at his history and everything, and I've done a ton of reading on him, is that people automatically suggest that he is the father of Satanism, or he was a Satanist, or you know, he hailed Satan or whatever. And surprisingly, none of this is true. Um, none of his writings have anything to do with Satanism itself or Satan himself. Um, and they're really more, uh, I guess you would say, ceremonial-based, um, more esoteric in form than, no, hold on, my dog is growling, hold on, my dog is like, I think he's getting freaked out by Aleister Crowley, I don't know, maybe he's in the room tonight, but surprisingly, none of his writings were satanic in nature, and I know I, I was one of those people who always thought that, you know, Aleister Crowley, he's like the father of Satanism and everything else. And, you know, he was the idol of Anton LaVey, who was the founder of the Church of Satan. Um, I believe he, Anton LaVey, lived in California, though. Anyways, um, surprisingly, Aleister Crowley was not a Satanist. Um, but he did have a start, or what we're going to start off uh, his Basic, I guess what really got him started down the path of developing his own religion was his involvement with the Golden Dawn. And Quinn, I think you can fill us in on some of the Golden Dawn stuff. 
I can a little bit, yes. Um, <laughs> well, let me back up a tiny little bit. Um, what's interesting is there's, there's a gray area, and I will say a gray area on there was the question to, to start with was, was Aleister Crowley a Freemason? And the answer is yes, but no. Um, there's a there's widely debated was he a fully accepted member in a true um, actual lodge under a jurisdiction of a grand lodge, and that's where it seems to get gray. Um, either it's not known, it's or or his lodge was not. So it's kind of a gray area. So I just wanted to back up there a tiny little bit. Whereas when you get into the Golden Dawn, the Golden Dawn is. Um, essentially, I guess the only way to describe it would be uh, a, a breakdown, a take from uh, Freemasonry. Uh, basically, the people, and I can't say the women because the women involved were, were not Freemasons, but um, you cannot talk about the Golden Dawn um, without talking about Freemasonry. For example, um, their their ceremonies, their their ritual. And their, we'll call it lodge. It's not really a lodge, but their lodge layout. It, it's all basically the same. Um, and if you are into Wicca, or should I say Gardnerian magic, who was also a member of these kind of groups, um, what you'll see is there is a big similarity between the ritual work that you do as a Gardnerian. Um, so with the Golden Dawn, um, there were there were some very interesting uh, enlightened people in it. Uh, one that people would recognize the name of that I like is um, Wait, W A I T E Wait, <laughs> and who so, was incidentally the author of the very infamous Wait writer tarot deck, or he was co-author yeah. of that. So that's where most oh. of you in the New Age world would would recognize these big names, and right. and he was. He was a fair bit older than Crowley, uh, and so Crowley read some of his stuff, knew some of his stuff. They moved in similar circles, um, and he uh, – Waite did join Golden Dawn in 1891. Uh, he didn't stay long. He actually ended up creating a subgroup known as the uh, Fellowship of the Rosy Cross, but I'm getting off on a different mm -hmm. subject here. So, right, right. Um, these were so people I who – um, I, I thought the Golden Dawn actually recognized women as equals. I thought that was that's they do. what uniquely separate. Golden yeah. Dawn does, yes, yes. Um, yeah. But the Freemasonry connection, you right, wouldn't the be getting women. That's what I mean, the, right. women, okay. yeah, the women connection okay. wouldn't be the same. Um, Bastards. But you had like um, uh, Moina Mathers and uh, right. MacGregor Mathers. And, anyway, um, so he was involved with that. And actually, Diana knew a little bit more about I knew that there was a very big falling out between Aleister Crowley and um, the, the members of the Golden Dawn. Um, it, it was uh, – I can tell you this. From being a member of different groups, and I'm not stating which groups, and I'm not stating what I've done in these groups, but what I will tell you is egos get in the way. They always do. Egos mm -hmm. will get in the way, and you will see like horrible, ravenous fights yes. between two sects of people. And usually what ends up happening is – There'll be a losing party or a party that rather than go further with the conflict will, will leave. But whoever the party of leaving is, they usually go off and form their own. And that's kind of where you end up with Crowley's group, the Ordo Templi Orientis, a.k.a. the OTO. 
Yes. And it's um, funny because I think go... – Well, we have mm-hmm. links for that. We have links for that under the show too. Um, and I know you were just discussing with me the terms of the battle royale between Crowley and mm, other members yes, of the Golden the, Dawn. So. The Battle of Blythe Road, and that's what it came to be known as. Um, we're talking about that the main thing, the one thing that really just severed those ties and kind of cemented, um, kind of set, you know, we're not cemented, but set Crowley's feet on the path that he was going to take. Um, you know, long story short, he was, well, we all know he was into the dark arts. and He celebrated that he was into the dark arts. Uh, W.B. Yeats, very famous poet, one of my favorites, as a matter of fact, was a member of the Golden Dawn at the same time that Crowley was. Now, there were, um, Yates was one of these members, and many of the members really were uncomfortable with Crowley's fascination with the dark arts, and they weren't comfortable letting him into the inner circle because of this. So when Crowley heard this, he was, of course, pissed, and he said, like hell, I'm not going to be included. So he decided to bust in one day and head up to the sacred area. But he was cut off by WB-8 and a couple other members of the Golden Dawn who proceeded to kick him down the steps. So, yes, they kicked him down the steps. So if anything says we don't want you in our group, that says it. So Crowley goes off to form his own. <laughs> Get the hell out of my group, you son of a bitch. Um. You know, but, sometimes we're all just having one of them bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes but, you just sometimes you just have to get kicked down the stairs. You just gotta kick a motherfucker down the stairs. <laughs> but I mean, we can go into Crowley's, um, you know, background with orders, you know, for hours and hours and hours. And that could be in a completely different show on its own. Um, but what I think is interesting is that the reputation that Alistair has and the influence he has. And I think what's even more interesting is to, you know, we all know that he has, or most people are aware or familiar with his background in the, the OTO and the Golden Dawn. And um, I think the, the branch he created, Salima, which is the branch of the OTO that he created, that is his branch. Um, but I think what's more interesting, especially for this time of year, is his influence on things like witchcraft, his things, things that we can really kind of place our hands on today that we may not even realize Crowley had an effect on. Um, one of my favorite things is um, a story uh, that involves Led Zeppelin. And I'm sure everybody my age probably knows the story. And ironically, the first place I learned about this story was my church's youth group back in the day. Of course, you know, we're listening to the thing, you know, the rock music is evil, it's the devil's music, you're going to hell, all that kind of stuff. And being the kid that I was, a little rebellious in nature, and I always hooked up with bad kids in the crowd, so we were sitting in the back row watching all this. And it came up to where um, this televangelist was saying, uh, you know, uh, this Led Zeppelin is of the devil, and they moved to Aleister Crowley's house and prayed to him and did magical rites, and their album came out, and they were famous because of their pact with the devil. And if you play this part backwards, you can hear them talking about the devil. And the first thing I did was I ran home 
got my dad's collectible Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin album, put it on the record player, and started ripping this thing backwards. <laughs> My, to my to my father's chagrin, by the way, he was his reaction wasn't like why is Satan singing on my radio? No, it was what are you doing to my album? So I had a pretty cool <laughs> childhood. Um, and it says in, in that part where it says uh, yes there are yes there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run I'm not singing because I can't sing. If you play that part backwards, it says, here's to my sweet Satan. No other made a path for it makes me sad. Whose power is Satan? And it sounds like it says that. And for us, it was the coolest thing. So we just went back the next time singing that backwards because we thought it was awesome. Um, it was funny. <laughs> as, but they were interviewed about that, and, and it's true. Jimmy Page actually did. They actually did live, or he lived in Crowley's house for a long time, or he owned it for a long time. Um, he only lived there, I think, six weeks for the 22 years he owned it, or something like that. And it burnt down mysteriously in 2016. There was no known cause for the fire. So. That says a lot. And I think the house is Crowley's house is probably well. The house was built on, or supposedly it was built on, the remnants of a burnt of a church that burnt down with the congregation inside. Okay, my I mean, house was built on the remnants of a church that burned down. That's <gasps> twice. It I'm burned twice. Well, God, in a row. Like, really hated them. <laughs> Sometimes the universe is just trying to tell you something. But anyways, um, they they question Robert Plant about the backward masking and the influence, you know, about Crowley's house and everything. And he says, really, he goes, do you really think that we put that much work into getting that kind of message out? He goes, it's ridiculous. But I don't know. If you look at the Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin album that has the Stairway to Heaven on it, it, it's filled with esoteric symbols. It really is. And I just think it's interesting because the effect is there. And you know who Gardner is, right? Are you talking me? Hello? Yes, you know who Hello? Gardner is, Gerald Gardner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, we were just talking about Gardnerian magic a minute ago. <laughs> oh, yes, we were. One of my, um, oh, oh. Uh, I, I, I have a... That's, that's why I was worried for a minute. I was like, are you talking to me? Because we just talked about it. <laughs> we did, we did. I, I thought uh, you, off air, you had a off moment, air, didn't you? We talked, we talked off air. <laughs> but because um, people be saying, what did I miss that part of the show? <laughs> no, we talked on air about it. Did we? <laughs> we did. It's all right. Diana and God. I talk for about talk about forty minutes before the show, so sometimes she can't remember. And I did a I did a lot of stuff back in the day. I really did. I did a lot of stuff back in the day. Sometimes I was a little worried it was me. I was like, did I really have that talk, no, or am I no, just remembering I, it? <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure. I thought we had that off the air, though, because we talked about that before we went on. Pretty sure we, we, we did on and off. <laughs> I think we just mentioned so it, like but it. I'm going to go into a piece here because I didn't open my pages here, so I know I didn't go into these notes. So I'm going into my notes now. But anyways, um, there are a lot of people, especially this time of year, who um, celebrate Samhain or Samhain or however you want to pronounce that. And Samhain is basically the new year for pagans, which is so on and so forth. Um, it's based on harvest, the harvest cycles. It's the third and last harvest of the year and the beginning, the spark of the end of the old year, beginning of the new. Well, a lot of there's there's really different schools on, on, on witchcraft, but you have your traditional school of Wicca. And we'll use Wicca. 
because Wicca is what you know really had the influence. And I guess what people don't realize is that Aleister Crowley, if you practice Wicca in the sense where you're practicing from the Gardnerian chain of Wicca or that tradition of Wicca, you are in fact practicing things that were influenced heavily by Aleister Crowley. Um, there's rumors that Aleister Crowley and Gerald Gardner sat down and had a conversation about things. And Aleister Crowley said to him, he goes, you've picked a great religion. He says, if you can get a bunch of naked women to basically do what you need them to do for you, he goes, kudos. So, and I thought that was really kind of, it's rumored. The conversation is rumored to have happened. Um, But we all know that Gerald Gardner. I think, yeah. If Gardner and Crowley sat down together, they probably weren't wearing any clothes. No, probably not, right? Um, I mean, but think about from it. what we know about both of them, it probably was happening. Yeah, you know. But if you think about what what's said, you know, like certain things that are said in witchcraft, like so mote it be. Those words are actually in the literature and the books written by Aleister Crowley. Um, I believe it's mentioned in his book, The Law, as well. So mote it be, things like that. Do what thou wilt. That was his whole of his law in, in Thelema, is do what thou wilt, is the whole of the law. So we have these same sayings in Wicca, uh, not me, I'm not Wiccan, but um, where they'll close the spell with so mote it be, or their law will be do what thou wilt, and it harm none. They added that for, you know, good measure but really do what thou wilt and harm none you wouldn't be able to do anything i don't believe there's any such thing i don't believe it's possible because you could be doing good and still harm somebody am i right but anyway i think um, so yeah yeah i i think it's absolutely so and i think it's interesting that um crowley kind of had a very uh almost like a, a lowbrow reaction to the ancient witch cults um, because he, I guess he had issue with them claiming ties to a true ancient religion, which really modern witchcraft. I mean, you could have family traditions, things you've done in a craft manner um, like practices and things like that to your family line. And that's fine. But I'm, we're talking about actual ritualistic Wicca, things like that. Um, I actually got into an argument with one of the frars regarding this. Um, and I'm proud to say that I think I won that debate. Um, although she probably doesn't think so. But anyways, uh, yeah, so you can actually go online and get, and I put links, if you go to our Facebook page, I put links through um, up to all these pages where you can actually get PDF copies and free online copies, uh, downloads of his books. And they're really interesting reads, uh, especially the Book of the Law and the Book of Lies. I think those are his two most revealing books. Uh, Quentin, you've read one of them, haven't you? Didn't you say you, you well, read? You could, <laughs> you could say the word read. Um, okay, audio I, I, audio, I did audio book it. Um, I, during the time where I was doing a lot of painting on the house, it, uh, it was a little hard to hold a book and paint. So I would pop on my old earbuds, and I felt that that was an interesting uh, read, we'll call it. Um, 
and you know it, it covered a lot of it covered a lot of the basics. You know, Aleister Crowley was born. These were his parents. They had the Al the yeah not the Aleister. They had the um, Crowley Ale houses. Um, they were Christian fundamentalists, but kind of slipped away from that a bit. But were still kind of uptight. Um, it covered a lot of that stuff. It covered the fact that he was he was very wealthy, especially once he had his parents' money, who were themselves very wealthy and he in his life pissed away his <laughs> pissed away his fortune um but particularly it talks a lot about uh, to be honest it goes in a lot um about his his sexual behavior um and um the earlier things in his life um it, it i i enjoyed it immensely um that was probably two, I'd say three years ago that I read <laughs> that book. Um, I would definitely recommend it. I've actually, I was trying to find it again before doing this show. I wanted to find the exact audio copy that I listened to because um, I hate listening. <laughs> when you, do you ever get an audio book and it's someone awful? Like you just want to punch oh, them? Oh, goodness, so, yes. Yeah. So, um, but no, it was very good. There was a, there is a, Great deal to talk about him, his sexual behavior, especially with sex magic, um, and and a bit of what was going on in his private life. Um, but he was very big on sex magic, um, and and I'm not talking about like easy does it sex magic. Like we're talking the yeah. um, oh, there's one I'm trying to remember from the OTO, the 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 something of blood and slime. Um, oh, I'm I'm brain farting on the word. Um, the the is it the ritual of blood and slime? It, it's it's disgusting, I, disgusting. Um, and it it's one of Crowley. Well, I know that he believed he believed that um, like to consume like someone's bodily fluids, like there was magic in it. So I know that was. Uh, and I think you're talking about. Um, let's see, what did he? Like okay, I don't know. There's 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 really no way to to say this nicely, um, but basically they would make cakes of semen and menstrual blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if anybody ever says, "Would you like a slice of cake?" Check it. Well, it's, or if it's it a is, guy named oh, Alistair the, um, saying, "Do you like some cake?" No, this one is this one is this is gruesome. Um, it is the. Um, it's it's an OTO one. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Um, and it, are are we are we are we heading off into the OTO discussion? Um, it's um, it's an esoteric order, the Ordo Templi Orientis, which uh, essentially means like the New Knights Templar kind of thing. Um, it he founded it about 1920, I think. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Um, no, maybe about 1912, I think. Um, Edwardian era, it was founded. Um, there are a lot of degrees to it. Um, and it is, the Golden Dawn is all about light. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Ordo Templi Orientis goes into a bit darker stuff. Um, well, yeah. It's a. A very there's Freemasonry like aspects. Um, it's a, a stage series of initiations and degrees. 
um, there's higher degrees. Um, if you're, you have to be a certain level to be considered an actual member of the OTO, like properly. Um, and they also the believe in different gods and goddesses. Um, the eleventh degree is a. Uh, it's. It, it, it's it, it, that's the one that is the one of of blood and 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 slime. Um, it. It it it's well. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to talk about this in in loose general terms, but um, well, I mean, there, there's really nothing secret about the OT. I mean, as far as it's, it's all out there on the internet, so I don't think you're breaking any codes. No, no, I'm just um, so in. It, Crowley talks about uh, a quote from him. I'm inclined to believe that the eleventh degree is better than the ninth degree. That was a diary entry from. Uh, 1916. Oh, how superior is the eye of Horus to the mouth of Isis. Um, from his diary of 1913, uh, he talks about, this is where it gets a little graphic, a boy uh, showered in foaming seed. Well, the other in in his orgasm receives the waters. Um, let it, and then he talks about, let it be no sin to us to have buggered the, the virile bum. Uh, while the priest thrust his thysis between boyish buttocks, all oh is God, accomplished. That's, no, that's horrible. That's pedophilia. This is now again. What I'm reading to you is these are these are actual Crowley uh, diary entries and and portions of these. Yeah, uh, he'd be in prison degree. today, by the way, folks. Yes. Now they may be using the word boy here. I think to mean boyish. I hope we're not. Hopefully. I'm not asking questions. Yes. Um, yeah. But he was, I mean, he he was a drug fiend. He was addicted to drugs. Um, I think he was prescribed heroin for some kind of chest ailment, which got him hooked on that. Plus, he realized at that point, hey, these really open me up. Let's see what else I can do. And uh, I think, you know, the question is, did the drug fuel his deeper magical philosophies, his magical thought process, or was it something else? I mean, do you believe in the spirituality of things? Do you believe that there are forces out there, ancient demons, gods, things like that, that can influence somebody? I mean, is is a soul can a soul be so dark that it could draw real things out there? And you know, people who knew Crowley said yes, would say yes. Um, he was known. To not necessarily be an evil man, but definitely one that had darker leanings. And I mean evil. To me, evil is 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 killing a dog when you don't, you know, that, that's evil. You know, hurting an animal is evil. Um, but I mean, it, as far as magic goes, and, and I think this is really what Crowley's contention was with the Golden Dawn is, you know, good, bad, light, dark, you know, white magic black magic, things like that, where's the line? And and who determines these things are evil or not? You know, I personally believe magic is just magic. And I think nature is just nature. I think it can be skewed by the user. But I, think, I think a lot of people, particularly one we mentioned recently with Silver Raven Wolf, um, even in her text, says there's really no such thing as a white witch or a dark witch. You know, there's... I don't believe magic is magic. The work is the work. 
good is mm-hmm. in the eye of the beholder, bad is, you know what I mean? Um, right, your you intention know. with it. I can take a book of matches. I can either light a candle and have beautiful illumination, or I can burn somebody's house down with it. That book of matches is still just a book of matches. My intent, my actions is what made this book of, ma- this book of matches do good or bad, not the matches themselves. And I look at magic the very same way. Um, you know, when we think of magic, we think of, you know, uh, David Copperfield. I don't know. I think David Copperfield was into some dark shit, too. You know, um, but um, and I think that's how Crowley really looked at life. I think he looked at it as if it was something to be bent to his will. And he certainly lived that way. And he certainly um, hoped that others would live that way. Um, but I mean, you know, did his lifestyle, did his, you know, we know that he was involved in deeper ceremonial magics. We know he was involved in ancient Kabbalic practices, um, things that go back years. I mean, millennia, you know, back to the old ancient Judaic systems of magic, calling demons and calling spirits and commanding these these entities. You know, do you, I don't know, do you think that these things had a, a hold on his life? Do you think they cursed though him and those around him? I mean... I personally think that Crowley, I, I do believe in, you know, a spiritual world and I do believe in mm-hmm. energies and magical work. I do. Um, and, I, and I truly believe that a lot of what he and people like wait and other stuff like that, these people didn't dedicate their lives to nonsense. They didn't spend all of their time and all of their, their money in a lot of cases yeah. on nothingness. Um, and, and it's, you know, you look at these people that he interacted with, and, and they, they, they did have – a lot of the orders that still exist today are shadows of what they once were. But when you, when you read through – and I know you and I read through some of Waite's work earlier before the show. Um, it's, it's not nearly as filthy as Crowley's. Um, I do think that there is a um, – I, I think there is something to it. Um, but, uh, and again, I can understand where at some point you can say, well, what is, what is good? What is bad? Um, and that is again, in your own self conscience, I guess, to know what is good and bad. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we were talking about that 11th degree. Um, <clears throat> I have a short list here, which is the like seventh degree. And I'm going to explain this as I as it is read. I'm not making these words up. Um, I'm not pulling these out of my ass, if you would. Um, so the seventh degree is called the adoration of the phallus as Baphomet, both within and without. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it is. The eighth, the eighth degree is interaction with something outside the closed vessels of the vagina and the anus. The, the ninth degree is interaction inside the vagina. Oh, I can't even say it. With either the blood or the secretion of a woman when excited. That Again, I am reading to you what is quoted to be the degrees. I'm not making this up. I am not this perverted. Um, the tenth degree is and God for any friends of ours that know us personally that are listening, I do not go around saying things like this. I'm too prude. Um, the tenth degree is 
impregnation. Um, I think that's the act of creation or succession. Um, I, I, I don't think that's uh, that one's hard to understand. The 11th degree, isolation in the anus, where it is considered unable to interact with anything at all. Interaction interaction with excrement, one of Crowley's preferred ingredients, mm. and small amounts of blood where small wounds occurred through the intercourse mucus and, of course, the mucus membranes that lead directly into the blood supply, etc. Uh, Crowley dreamt of giving birth to a fetus per anum, a mass of blood and slime. Wow, nice. Very nice. So when when we talk about that, he sometimes, I know, here's the thing, I I don't know if, you know, some people start out gaining knowledge and then get drunk with it and become insane. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. It's interesting. There's uh, something he wrote, um, and I'm going to read it here for you. It's called The Cry of the Hawk. And I, I think all of his works at this point are public domain, or most of them are public domain. Um, so you can get PDF downloads of them, which if you go to our Facebook page, uh, Stackhouse Radio, go under the show where we have it listed, and there should be um, links there for you to check out. This one is called, and I believe, um, let's see here, I believe this one is from the, the Cry of the Hawk, and this is what it says, this is what he's written. Whore hath a secret fourfold name, it is do what thou wilt, four words, naughty one many all, thou child, thy name is holy. Thy kingdom is come, thy will is done. Here is the bread, here is the blood. Bring us through temptation, deliver us from good and evil. That mine as thine be the crown of the kingdom, even now. Abrahadabra. These ten words are for the name of the one. So, I mean, he, I, I don't think he ever took any of this lightly. And you can kind of see how he takes you know, obviously, that's reminiscent of the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, and interesting, uh, the Church of Satan, not, not the Satanic Temple, the Church of Satan, I think the one started by uh, Anton Xander LeVay, has statements on their page that says that Aleister Crowley did not found the Church of Satan. Uh, Aleister Crowley died in 1947. The Church of Satan, I believe, was founded in the, I believe, in the 90s, was it? I think it was found in it, or it became oh, an actual religion. That. I think it. I think it was actually got religious status legally. And when did it? When did it get? The Black House was founded early, but I don't think it became an actual religion. I could be wrong. I don't think it actually became a legalized. <laughs> bless you. Um, legalized religion in the United States. Um. Let's see here. Oh, he died in 97. That's my fault. So he started the Church of Satan, I think, in the 60s. Wasn't it? I think it was that the 60s. That right. he, yeah. I that was the really 60s. early 70s. Yeah, because I know that um, even Wicca didn't receive um, actual religious status until, God, that had to be the 90s. I think it was the 90s when a lot of these organizations really um, – were able to get 
legal religious status, but they have a link on their page that basically says, no, we are not part of, of oh, Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley did not found us, and Alistair Crowley was not a Satanist. And I think that's what really kills us. Everybody's convinced he was a Satanist. He worshiped Satan. No, he didn't. He worshiped a whole pantheon of gods and goddesses, um, which is still, that practice is still relevant in the OTO today. Um, but he in no way, shape, or form worshipped Satan. But I think it's interesting, though, because we look at people like Crowley, and we look at his influence on modern practices today, and we can see that he has had an influence. He has had an influence on in everything, rock and roll, religion, um, poetry, um, art itself. Um, I think he was ahead of his time with sexual experimentation, um, drug experimentation. Um, I've always kind of felt, and this is going to sound strange, but if you're familiar with, with the, the unedited, which it doesn't really exist anymore, the Mm -hmm. unedited version of, uh, the portrait of Dorian Gray, uh, they Mm -hmm. omitted a lot of the homosexual stuff out of it. Um, I always think of young Crowley, like that's who I always think of with Dorian Gray. What do you, how so? Oh, just the, 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 you know, gilded young fop of a thing. And, and, and this, uh, I don't know why I just, there just seems to be this underlying connection between the two. You know what I'm saying? The, um, Hmm. I wouldn't say Crowley was a beautiful youth, but he existed I, similarly I, I, in his youth. I mean, especially when he got gonorrhea. Um, <laughs> but he existed. I, I would say they're sorry, gonorrhea. Victorian youth who was indiscriminating sexually mm. is where mm-hmm. I. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think it's um, actually you know we have um, an excerpt. We have an excerpt of him right that I can't talk tonight. I'm sorry, folks. An excerpt of him uh, reading his poetry. Um, it's only a minute long, so we're going to go ahead and play this for you. And I meant to play it earlier. Uh, this is called Pentagram. And I think this poem, if you can really hear through the, the audio, uh, really kind of exemplifies um, some of his, the views he had on religion and spirituality and magic and the different forces and elements and everything. And it really reflects, you know, what influenced him to, um, you know, follow these things. So we're going to go ahead and play this for you real quick. The pentagram dedicated to Henry Farman. In the years of the primal force, in the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him in hollow skin from the heart of an holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, and man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam. He harnessed the lightning for hire. He drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the fire. Deep mouthed from their thrones, deep seated. The choirs of the eons declare the last of the demons defeated. The man is the lord of the air. Arise, O man, in thy strength, the kingdom is thine to inherit, till the high gods witness at length that man is the lord of his spirit. Uh, 
Okay, so there you have it, the pentagram, uh, in the words of the man himself, which I think his voice is interesting because sometimes his voice just doesn't match what you think it's going to sound like. Like it should almost be kind of like, like Hitler. Or you know what? It should. Who who was um? Oh, the Iron Maiden song. Um, I think it was uh, was it Doug Bradley? I think it was. He played Pinhead. In and um, oh my God! And uh, that movie, and I'm having a brain fart because I love this movie. Um, hold on here. I think it's Douglas Bradley. I think I'm gonna look up his name because pretty sure it's Douglas Bradley. Yes, Doug Bradley. Uh, he did an intro for The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, which is, is spine chilling if you get to listen to it. And I've always expected Crowley's voice to sound like that, booming and deep and brooding, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. He sounds like you know who you expect. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know who you almost would expect. Um, Oh, and now his name went right out of my head because I'm thinking of Winston Churchill instead. Um, <laughs> oh, God, what was his name? He dated um, he dated Vampira, and um, he was he played Rochester in the original Jane Eyre. Oh, um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of it now. He had that deep brooding kind of voice, you know, that I don't have. <laughs> oh goodness, um, that was nineteen. Was it nineteen forty three? That movie? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh um, Orson Welles. Yes. Orson Welles. Yes, Orson yes. Welles. Yes, Orson Welles. That's what you would remember expect. That. Is like Orson Welles. Exactly. You know. Um, it's interesting, though, because I have some CDs coming in. I wish I had them now because I would play them on the show. But uh, supposedly one of the books I have on there has an incantation that's read by Aleister Crowley, an incantation to actually call one of these ancient beings, these ancient spiritual entities forth. So I figure what I'm going to do this Halloween is I'm going to draw the sigil on the driveway with little trick-or-treaters come through. And I'm going to have it playing, in which it, like kind of like musical chairs. Like whichever one gets caught in the circle at the right time. <laughs> I'm all about it. Gets to go Let's to Satan. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think I that's think, great. I think we. Sh- I think we should. I'm, oh my I'm, god! I'm, Magical sigils. We can just have the kids like picking candy up in the middle of those circles, and whichever one hits right, hits right. There you go. Yay! I get. I'm, I get eternal youth. I'm for it. <laughs> I just say play Crowley's incantations all night. Like just play oh, them in the driveway. <laughs> um, honestly, it's it's actually very funny because I'll tell you back to a trick or treat experience. Um, I don't know that you've ever seen it. Um, I have a very very elegant gold velvet um, robe cloak, if you will, um, and the inside is cranberry satin. And it has very long, very long bell sleeves. The oversized hood comes down and kind of billows behind it. Very, it's oversized and very nice. Keeps you warm. Um, but I wore it to a couple formal events and blah 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 blah. Well, because when you see things like these, um, 
when you see things such as Crowley in, in old photographs mm-hmm. or, or or any of them, really right. old Victorians that, that went into ceremonial magic, they're always dressed like that. And uh, so I actually, for just Halloween, just walking to a, a neighbor's, I threw that on and I had on um, – uh, the base of my tuxedo, so a Victorian-style vest and my black tuxedo pants and the white shirt. And I, I had that on from something I was at. And so I just threw this on to go down to the neighbors and hang out for trick-or-treat with the kitties. And it was so funny because one <laughs> I encountered a neighbor on the way, and she was shocked that I would wear my sacred Masonic garments. <laughs> and I oh, said, my what? goodness. She, she thought we dressed like that for meetings. And she goes, I see you're wearing your Mason stuff out in public. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but people, well, ex- they expect you to be dressed like that behind the scenes, you know. So I would assume, you know, Golden Dawn, is, although Golden Dawn actually does have some interesting outfits, some interesting headdresses, Egyptian and whatnot. But um, I think we should dress up as that for Halloween. Scare the children. Hmm. We should, huh? Which, you know, we, we tried that once at Gettysburg, but they ended up, you remember that one group that thought I was part of the tour? And I was dressed up as an Edwardian vampire, but I had made the, I mean, I did my own costuming. And do you remember the group at the Dobbins house? They thought that I was part of the tour. I do. I do now. I do. Um, so what was I going to ask you? Um, oh, by the way, by the way, um, for any listeners out there, if I may, for any listeners out there, I am searching for, if you can find it, I am searching for a copy and uh, particularly um, the first early copies of the Book of Black Magic, which is actually now known as the Book of Ceremonial Magic by Arthur Edward Waite. Um, There is one that I have found that is entirely too expensive. So if you want to send us flattering gifts, you may send to us a copy of that. You're going to um, kill me. Why? I had a copy when I moved from Connecticut to here, and I donated that with all of my occult magic books and everything to the library. You rat bastard. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but I'm and looking for the original. And I actually you can had, find an old one. Yeah, and I actually had books on Sumeria, uh, Sumerian language, Sumerian magic, things like that that I don't need. So some poor kids at the library pulling this shit out going, I'm going to read this out loud with candles. And they're probably like calling like, I don't know, Asmaroth or some shit like that up. And, you know, his parents are now dead and the dog's like spinning in circles, shooting flames out of its ass or some shit like that. <laughs> I want to read a couple quotes really uh, before we close here tonight from Crowley himself. Oh, and this one I love. I love this one. It said, it, to people who think that, you know, he worships Satan, he believes in the devil and everything. And he was so, I think the word, maybe not aloof about the devil, but I think he was, it, it was almost as if it was beneath him to worship the devil because he associated it with the Christian church. And to be a Satanist in his eyes was just to be a petty, you know, anti-Christian. Um, but he said this, he says, I was not content to believe any personal devil and serve him in the ordinary sense of the word. I wanted to get a hold of him personally and become his chief of staff. And I love that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Um, and, I, and I love that this next one that he says, another one that I have here, and I love this. This is for all you pagans out there. 
He believed that paganism is wholesome because it faces the facts of life. And it's funny because even atheists will sit there and say that people who call themselves witches or pagans, they don't really see those people as doing harm to society or communities or things like that because they don't proselytize. They don't practice in a way that oppresses other people and so on and so forth. So you'll never really see the atheists coming against pagans and witches and stuff because they see them as perfectly harmless in the fact that we're not out to, you follow us or you're going to hell, you know, that kind of shit. Well, there's actually, there's something about um, Crowley that I, that I've waited towards the end here to, to bring up. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you will indulge me, um, dear listeners, now is the time that you should go to the Google and I would like you to type in Alistair Crowley and Barbara Bush, and look for the split-screen image of them. Now, the short version of this, which I did get from that that, um, audio book that I listened to, um, was that um, Crowley uh, was living with friends in France at the time, and friends of this friend came to stay. And this friend of a friend is the mother of Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush had not been born yet. She came to stay with them. And as we know, Crowley and his followers were into sex magic and lots of kinky shit. She came and stayed with them um, for for quite a while. Um, At the end of her stay, she returned home to America. Now, she came alone. She did not bring her husband or anything like that. Uh, After her stay, she returned home to the United States and eight months later gave birth to little Barbara. Hmm. So, the theory is that Crowley is really her father. Now, look at a photo of her and Crowley, the split-screen version. And actually, one that I saw one time, it said, here's a picture of Barbara Bush. And they looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, Barbara Bush. And then I kept scrolling, and it said, now what do you think when I tell you that that is Alistair Crowley with her hair photoshopped on? And I'm like, (gasps) So, I'm just saying... Take a moment to consider and look into that story because I'm just, I was like, in the words of Catherine Hepburn, gee, golly, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was quite how I felt about it. Um, so I well, wanted I'll to bring that up towards the end. So. I'll tell you what. In the spirit of Halloween, I will do this. I have, now it's, it's, you know, it's mine, but I have a Toth tarot deck that was designed by Crowley that, uh, let's see here, um, the first person that can find that split screen picture of Barbara Bush and Alistair Crowley and put it up on our Stackhouse radio page, post it up there, I will mail that tarot deck to you. Oh, why, Donna, how nice. <laughs> Isn't she generous? Now I, now, I, now, I should have to one-up you. I don't know how. I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I should at least offer double down something. Um, what can I offer to the kitties? I'm going to have to look through my loot, my loot, my loot, my loot. Um, huh, let me think. I'm going to look through my stash of... Oldies but goodies. 
um, for next week's episode or something. Um, so the so the first person to email it to will win this. To post this, you have to post it on the Stackhouse Radio page. Oh, on, you have on to the go Stack to our page Radio, on Stackhouse Radio on Facebook. You have to like the page and then post the picture on the page, and then I will. Yeah. Look, and I will see who posted first, and I will contact you through Messenger to get your address and everything, and I will send it to you. Nice. Um, yeah, we'll have to start giving away more free crap. I know, right? <laughs> right, yes. We will bribe you. We will bribe you to listen. Um, um, but anyways, so like we, are actually, we are actually running uh, short on time here. So uh, – we can close out here and uh, just say, remember, it's Halloween month, and we are going to have more Halloween goodies and more Halloween-type topics and spooky stuff for you before the Halloween season passes us. And be on the lookout. Check out our Stackhouse Radio page on Facebook. Uh, check out our station on Blog Talk Radio. Also, we stream on Spotify. We stream on iTunes. So you can check the, check us out there. Again, the podcast is Stack House Radio, three separate words. And remember, first person that can find that split screen image of Barbara Bush with Alistair Crowley showing that I did, you know, I they're similar. Oh, stop. <laughs> you cannot. Anybody but Quentin. You post that picture on our Facebook page. The rule is you have to go to our Facebook page, Stack House Radio, like it. And then post the picture. First person to do so gets his tarot deck. Okay? So, until next time, this is your your host, Diana Steck and Quentin Tiffany, or as we've come to know him, Tiffany. And remember, don't try the 11th degree alone. Oh, God, stop. Don't, no, people, don't drink pee-pee. Don't drink period nasties. <laughs> and don't drink butt juice, okay? Stop it. Don't drink it. And don't listen. And if somebody says, Would you like some cake? Just like that. If they're offering you cake like that, would you like some cake? You say no. You say no, no, no. I do not want some your nasty milk? semen. I do not want your set your nasty semen menstrual cake. <laughs> Some full milk, perhaps? Oh, God. I don't want your breath milk. (laughs) Nasty. Okay, this is Stackhouse Radio. Uh Till next time, remember, stay creepy.